Welcome to the C9 Win Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the first match versus Furia, all the different roster moves that happened, how I expect the roles to shake out with the new roster, what to expect from the team, and what to look for in the rest of the tournament. If you're watching this on YouTube and you enjoy my content, please consider subscribing. I'd love to get a thousand subscribers because then I can actually turn on monetization on YouTube and make a couple dollars from the content that I make. So if you're watching and you're not subscribed and you enjoy what I do, I'd really appreciate it if you would consider that. With that being said, let's get on into the first match. So the first match was versus Furia, and we lost 1-2, to two, losing Inferno, winning Nuke, and then losing Train. On Inferno, our CT side leaves a lot to be desired. It hasn't really ever been good, and it really wasn't again yesterday. We play really passively, and it kind of just gets punished over and over. Our T side was probably the best that it's ever looked, though. Our decision-making was really good. We had good fakes, good utility usage. We almost brought it back, but came up just short. But it's probably our best showing on Inferno so far. We're 1-5 in five on Inferno, but I think this is probably the best we've looked because of the T side. Inferno was probably our worst map in the pool, I would say. But I do think that we have to improve on it, so I'm happy to keep playing it and then hope that the CT side gets figured out. Nuke was probably our best overall map since we've got the new roster. The T side was almost flawless and the CT side held it down and finished it out. It was really impressive and was a really fun match to watch. On train, the CT side was really solid and Alex actually spent a ton of time towards B when he was opping, which was kind of interesting and unexpected, but it worked out really well. T side on the other hand was pretty much a disaster. There's very little good utility usage a bunch of rushes down B ramp or to pop dog that just got completely stuffed. We really couldn't crack any sites. And this was their first time playing it. And after flashpoint, one of the main criticisms I had of the team was their lack of good utility usage or sometimes their lack of utility usage at all. And in like a week, they completely shored that up and changed completely how they play. So I'm hopeful that they can do the same thing on train and keep it in the pool. Cause I think they can be so, so strong on it. So I hope they keep playing it and then can figure that out. It was only their first time playing, so I'm not too worried about it. I think they will figure it out. But it was a pretty bad T side. Overall, I think that the team looked really good. I was pretty nervous going into all the roll swaps and Alex going on the op. But it all looked really solid, especially the riflers. But let's talk about Alex on the op. So this was definitely an unexpected move. Switching from like his lurking role to the op and I don't think he's ever actually main the op before and he wasn't even the secondary on our team. And if you look at the best teams in the world, they all have the best players in the world who are all oppers. Like the op is such an important role and you're not going to be able to succeed if you have a below average opper. So Alex switching to it does definitely make me nervous because it's going to take him months to learn the small intricacies that it takes to be an opera. Like it's one thing to tell an opera what to do or to like watch or study the role and another to do it. Like he has to learn all the angles, how to peek exactly what can and can't be punished. Like there's so many small things with opping that you have to learn just by playing matches. And with that, like it comes with concerns of, will he still be able to read the other team as well? Will he be able to, IGL while also thinking so much about his new role because he's doing something new a bunch of his brain power is going to be going towards what he's learning and it could be taking away from the other things so there's definitely a lot of questions around that 
And we saw a little bit of his inexperience today, especially on Inferno where he would hold angles and would actually die before even getting a shot off. But Inferno was one of the two hardest maps, in my opinion, to kind of get an op going along with Vertigo. So I didn't really hold it too much against him. On the next two maps, he did really well at hitting shots and there weren't any whiffs that I can remember. And I think that's one of the most important things is that if he hits the shot he's supposed to hit, I think our team can be good enough in the long term. If he learns the right angle and just hits the shots that he needs to, I think we can be a really good team. I don't think he has to be flashy. He doesn't have to be crazy. He just has to actually hit his shots when he's supposed to be hitting them. He'll also have to change his thinking a little bit about how he plays now that he has an op because he can't be as aggressive or take as many chances now that he has an op. So like one example I think of him wrestling with this was on C2 train when we were versus an eco and him and floppy were holding upper B and then he decided to push with a deagle. He gets one kill and then dies and then floppy gets overwhelmed. And now they have the B site an op and a gun and that's not really something that you should do with an op because it's really low risk and or it's really it's really high risk and really low reward. So if they even if he gets two kills and then dies, losing one player and them getting an op is worth their two lives. Like you really just do not want to be giving that gun up for your own economy and because it makes them so much more powerful. So This is something that he's going to have to learn that he can't play his normal style when he has an op and he needs to learn when he needs to play back, just hold angles and be okay with getting a kill and dipping or getting a kill and then re-peaking from farther away where they can't just overwhelm him and get right in his face, other stuff like that. Because sometimes the risk just, it's not worth it. It It can be too brutal. So he does have to shift his mind a little bit. That being said, after CT side Inferno, I wasn't really at all disappointed with how he played. I thought he was very solid and better than I expected. So it was a bummer to lose, especially since each map definitely felt very winnable. But with all the changes, you have to know that this team is probably going to look worse before it gets better. I was actually kind of surprised with how well they looked today. I expected them to look much more disjointed. The Riflers seemed to have like really good chemistry together. They had great trading when they're entering sites, the way they were watching different angles and watching each other's back. And our aim is just like nuts, honestly. But we do need to come up with a new system for CT side Inferno because we've played six maps on it now and haven't really done well. And then we need strats for T side train or maybe just steal old Cloud9 strats. And before this match, I had said that I thought we should kind of expect that there might be another roster move once we hit lands. But now, I don't know. We looked pretty powerful for our first match. So we might just be sticking with it, and this might work out really well. Speaking of the new roster, I didn't really get a chance to put out my thoughts before the actual match, so I'm just going to do that really quick. So I want to start with Woxic. And basically, having seen everything that's come out, it does seem to have come down to ping. And I tried to look up physically in Europe if this could be true. And based on the list of Faceit servers I could find, the nearest one to Turkey was like 2,000 miles or 3,000 kilometers, which in the U.S. would be like 75 ping, like L.A. to Chicago, basically. 
now I'm just doing super rough, like literally Google mapping Turkey to the country that I saw the list of the server being in. So there's obviously going to be differences there, but I could absolutely see this being an issue, especially for an opera. And it really could explain some of the easier shots we might've seen him missing or like bad timings that were happening. I don't think there's bad blood between any of the parties just based on like their interactions in Twitter and the statements and stuff. So I think that it really could have just come down to a location issue and like a COVID issue. So I think that all the stuff about him being toxic and stuff like that was very unwarranted and we don't know any of that. So I think it was just an actual issue with COVID. But in terms of financials, I saw a ton of people talking about cloud nine wasting like millions of dollars and how things must have been worse because they cut him instead of trying to keep him and sell him. But I don't think any of this is true because cloud nine definitely didn't lose millions. They lost the buyout, which was 296,000. Then they lost three months of walk six salary, which was 90,000. So in total cloud nine lost 386,000, which definitely isn't millions. Now for the fact that they cut him instead of trading him, I think this actually saves Cloud9 money to cut him instead of trying to trade him. If they keep Woxic around, that's $30,000 a month. They're paying someone to not play. And they're not going to get anywhere near the $296,000 they paid in the buyout. So if you assume that they try to get $150,000 in a buyout, like half of what they bought him out for, this means that they'd have six months to find a buyout in order to break even. And... If they go six months and don't find a buyer, they just lost all that money. And now what are they going to do? Cut them and just lose the money then? So I, I guarantee you they called around and checked teams like, hey, do you want Woxic? Would you want to do a buyout? All that stuff. And probably didn't find any interest. And then it just made more sense to cut him than to keep paying him literally more than what Floppy and Mezzi make combined just to sit on the bench hoping that a couple of months down the line someone might end up wanting him and be okay paying for him. So... I don't think this was nearly as bad of a hit as everyone thinks and cutting him was the right financial move, I believe, and not for other reasons because like the team couldn't stand him or Alex has this crazy ego or whatever else people were saying on Reddit. I've also seen some people worried that we're headed back into like the 2019 constant roster shuffle and I do totally understand that it is another change and it feels like we just can't keep a roster together. But I think this is a much different situation. If not for COVID, I think that 100% this lineup is still together. I think the old roster in like 2019 had players trying to retire, motivation issues, chemistry issues. And then after like every single problem, they're just kind of trying to like bandaid it with like, oh, we'll just try a new IGL or oh, we'll just try a new whatever instead of just like blowing it up and seeing that the whole thing is fractured and they just need to start over. So this new roster is new together has countries in lockdown. A player basically can't play the game because of where he lives. So I don't think it's time to panic and like think that we're headed into like this spiral of roster moves and the way that that the team looked today, I think that they could absolutely have success online and in land. So let's talk about the coach, um, Elma putty. In the last episode, I said that I wanted a coach who would come in and talk strategy and work with the whole team and like create like these like awesome game plans based around everyone's knowledge. And the fact that he's been making YouTube content for years makes me think that this might be what's coming in, 
but it's hard to know. I tried to look up interviews from when he was a coach of other teams, but there wasn't really a whole lot out there. So I couldn't get like a good read on his coaching style, or at least what he says that his coaching style is. So hopefully now that it's officially announced, we'll get some interviews out with him soon, you know, either with like Thorin or Henry or whoever that will just get like some sort of content of him talking about his coaching style or what he's coming in to do or whatever. It'd be interesting to see like what he thinks coming in. And I don't really know enough about coaches or have like any insight to anyone personally. So I don't really have an opinion on if I like the hire or not. We'll just kind of have to see if it works out and like see how things end up. But based on the fact that he makes the YouTube content, thinks a lot about strategy and kind of what I want in a coach, it does seem like it could work out. And then Zeppa, I think, is a really promising young talent. Um, I thought that the decision to bring in a rifler was obviously interesting. And I would say that Zeppa actually has more experience versus high-level teams than than Mezzi even now. So he is young and up-and-coming talent, but I think he's proven himself in a similar way that Floppy had. And now that he'll get to face the true tier one teams, we'll kind of get to see what he's actually made of. And I think he's going to thrive, and he absolutely did in the match. So I think there's a very bright future for him, and I think that's going to work out in the team really well. So how did the roster adjust to all these moves? So Alex, you know, left to take over the op, and it kind of left a lurker slash sometimes entry role to be filled, right? So when we first signed Mezzi, I thought that he could thrive as a lurker. So I was wondering if he would take over, but I also kind of expected S-Tag to take over because he's more experienced, has done it before. It would be easier to slot someone who hasn't having to learn a new role, also having to learn new strategy, also having to be facing tier one competition at the same time. Thought that might make more sense. Turns out Floppy actually has taken over the lurking role, which he did a little bit in C9. He, Him and MOTM kind of shared it. But it seems like Floppy has actually taken it now. Now, when Alex doesn't have an op, he still kind of does his lurking plays, which is his specialty. And he lurks differently than Floppy does. So when Alex is lurking, what he'll do is he'll kind of continually push to create more space and more pressure on the map. Whereas when Floppy lurking, it's more like he's pushing to hold areas of the map to make sure that the CTs don't push in. So for example, on Inferno, Floppy would be holding apps to make sure they haven't pushed through. Or on Nuke, he would hold Lobby as they worked outside or whatever. And on Train, he would hold Upper B as they played towards A. Whereas Alex, when he's playing Nuke and lurking, he's pushing outside, pushing CT. So it's a totally different style. But we did see the fruit of what Floppy was doing because we saw a lot of fantastic rotates on T-side, especially on Inferno. Well, and Nuke too is he would hold these areas, they would work to create space elsewhere, and then based on his information as well, they could rotate back, either create fakes or get kills that way. And that worked out really well. And as for the entry, I think Zeppa completely crushed it today. I mean, to come in, he was announced like three days before. Obviously, he had been like practicing with them for like a week or two or something. But I thought he came in, absolutely crushed it today. And... We really couldn't have asked for more from him in his first match. And this also shoved Mezzi into a more fragging role than he was than he was in. So since Floppy was in more of a fragging role and is now the lurker, Mezzi has kind of taken over that spot that Floppy was in. 
and Mezzi completely showed out and he had so many good kills. He was looking so good. The chemistry between him, Zeppa and Estag when they enter in sites seems phenomenal. And so I think there's a lot of promise there. As far as the CT sided roles, Inferno stayed basically the same with Alex taking the op and then Zeppa taking over the spot where Alex played, which is arches or just a dedicated. And then on train, we hadn't seen that before, but the roles were pretty much what we expected with floppy on B Mezzi as the secondary opera towards Ivy, because that's what he did on gamer Legion. And then S tag played on a site, uh, Zeppa played at pop dog and then Alex opt. Um, and then actually on Nuke, we had a role swap. So Alex took the op and then Mezzi and Estag actually switched spots. So Mezzi was playing outside and Estag was playing mini, but they've actually switched. And now Estag is playing outside and Mezzi is playing mini. And then Zeppa took over Alex's role on A. And I have a breakdown of all this. If you want to like look at it and see at c9win.com slash roles, I have like a breakdown of each of their roles and then on each map, like where they play defensively. So if you want to like revisit that or just look at it visually, then go check that out. And lastly, I wanted to mention that um, this past week, I actually released a cloud nine based app that gives you a ton of information about the CSGO team that lives like right in your taskbar, either in Mac on the top taskbar or windows in the bottom right taskbar, or it's a little button where you click it and it shows you their upcoming and past matches, their upcoming and past events, News aggregated from a few different sites, including like Reddit and HLTV. It shows their HLTV rank progress, some of their stats, etc. All this just like in one click, one area, rather than having to open up all these tabs that we probably all do every single day. So I tried to get like 90% of the information you'd want into a spot that's easily accessible and much quicker than using a browser. So it's $5 if you want to check it out. There's more information at c9win.com slash taskbar. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I'll have it linked below. And I have like some photos there to show you exactly what everything you're getting is and what is there and whatnot. So check that out if you like. Thank you so much for listening. The next episode will probably be after CS Summit. Subscribe if you'd like. I'll see you next time.